Welcome to Behind the Biz, conversations with artists and entertainment. I'm your host, Megan Mason. Please subscribe here on YouTube and don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Now, on to the show. Hello, Barbara. Hi, how are you? I'm good, everybody. I want to introduce you to Barbara Bears. Hello. Is uh, now a ballet master at the Houston Ballet and was a principal dancer with them for over 20 years, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, 20 years. I mean, it was like a little on the cusp of just under 20, but you know, for math, oh, yeah. we just say 20, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah, 20. So I, I wanted to, you were on my list when I made the list of like oh. people I wanted to interview. And um, I was told my mom, I was like, I'm actually kind of a little bit nervous today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you what. So when I came back to the ballet in 2008 mm. um, to work with Billy, who was the head of hair and makeup then, I had only ever grown up watching the Houston yeah. Ballet, right? So we, we went to different shows and the magic of the Nutcracker was always like, when I got to work behind the scenes on the Nutcracker the first time, I was giddy. Is an <laughs> and it was still Ben Steven. No, yeah, it was still Ben Stevenson's, and so they had the flying chefs. And, yeah, you know, yeah. So I was like, oh my god! But <clears throat> uh, the Merry Widow was that season, and you were the Merry Widow. Yeah. And I was telling my mom the story last night. I was like, in my head. Barbara is so, you're so big. You're so tall and like just big, but you're actually not. <laughs> <laughs> you're a very tiny, like, you know, very tiny and petite woman that just has like amazing legs and stuff. But in The Merry Widow, there was a scene where you go behind, you run off stage and then you had to go up the stairs. Yeah. And there was some type of hair change. And I had yes, like you, you quick hair change and quick <gasps> costume change. Yeah. And I like, I remember you like standing there and we would like walk sideways going up the stairs. And I was like, I can't mess this up because you were so focused and so kind, but just like in the zone. And I was like, I can't mess this up because it's Barbara Bears and she's gonna go <laughs> on stage. And I'm gonna just ruin my whole career. Like <laughs> it, it worked out fine, everybody. Yes, it did. But. It did. And it's actually a really quick change. It's it's a, a change. Funny story, now that I'm on the other side of it and out front or staging the ballet, and we actually did the ballet probably about a year and a half ago now, oh. roughly. Yeah, we didn't do it that long ago. And there's that scene, that change into the vision scene where, um, uh, you know, the, the widow becomes a young girl again. And I remember talking to Maestro, this is a really, really quick change. You can't play this little transition scene too fast. So play it as slow as you can possibly get away with just to give these girls a little bit of time, you know, get changed, get the, the wig changed and get a little sip of water so that they feel, they can feel like they have a breath before they have to, they have to enter. So, um, so you fast. know, yeah, <laughs> because sometimes, you know, no one, no one really knows what goes on backstage and um, they think of it as in this glamorous way but really you a lot of times you run off stage and you're like a crazy person trying to get stuff on and off and you've got you know wigs and makeup and wardrobe and everybody trying to make something happen and it's um it's we do now like a, a at the houston valley uh people can auction they auction off a, a, a backstage experience during Neckracker, oh. which i actually uh not host but help that person through that process and they are dumbfounded at like There's how chaotic it can be backstage <laughs> and that you just don't see that from out front. You know, that's the magic of, that's the magic of live theater, you know? Oh yeah. And the ballet in particular, you know, like I said, I'd always, I mean, I had worked in theater and I had worked a little bit in opera at that point. Um, I wasn't with Cirque yet, but um, I had that experience, but coming to the ballet and seeing you guys on stage, guys and gals, and everything is so effortless and gorgeous. And then you come off stage and then people were allowed to breathe kind of. Yeah. So it was like, <gasps> and I was like, oh my God, they're sweating. Like I, you can see all the muscles work and it was yeah. just, I thought I loved ballet and then I worked on it. <laughs> and and like now I really absolutely yeah. adore it. And um, you know, getting exposed to like Gary Killian and Petite Mort, which yeah. I think might be my favorite piece. 
Yeah, it's beautiful ballet. It's so simple. And that's what's mm -hmm. so, sometimes, you know, a lot of stuff, um, you know, is, it, is lovely to look at. But really, in reality, something that's just so simple can be the most beautiful thing, you know. And that's, that's a, actually a favorite piece of mine also. Musically, just in general, it's, it's a piece I love. Partially because at the beginning of the piece, the boys have to walk backwards and they have a, you know, they have a, a, a sword and they have to balance it on the, their finger as they walk backwards. And for ladies who always have to, you know, most of the big story ballets have court ballet women and they have to really be in line. And the girls are always all always on top of things. And not that I'm saying the boys aren't on top of things, but there's some pleasure in standing behind that corset, <laughs> watching these boys panic, you know, as they're like trying <laughs> to like balance this sword on their finger. And I, 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 yeah, there's something so beautiful about that piece. But um, for us, I think six ladies or eight ladies, like, I think it's six that are in the piece to stand there behind those really hard bustiers, kind of chuckling to ourselves, like <laughs> the, the boots on the other foot now, gentlemen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're like, hmm, just a little tiny piece of pleasure yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was digging around in the interwebs and mm -hmm. I found um, a wonderful article uh, from the Sun Sentinel. Oh, yeah. In Fort 19 Lauderdale. Yeah, Fort <laughs> Lauderdale, which is where you're from. And uh, there was a lot of really interesting inf information in there that I, I didn't know. Reading it, you sound so sure. Because you're 16, I think, yeah. in this article. And the amount of confidence that comes through those words of absolutely knowing Mm -hmm. what you wanted to do. Yeah. Were you always like that growing up too? I like, mean, I, I think, do this. I think that's unique to dancers or other people like musicians. I, I, I mean, I don't want to categorize it just to people who are in the arts, but I, I think it, you know, when you have something you're really passionate about, like, you know, being a ballet dancer or being a singer or something like that. And you, for me, I grew up in a school that um, I could go into the ballet studio at nine o'clock and stay there all day because I had I was able to do correspondence for high school. Mm. So, um, you know, I had that focus and that drive really early on. Like, I don't know how far I'll get in this profession, but I'm going to be a ballet dancer. And you kind of have to make that commitment so early on. You can't at 16 be like, oh, I want to take ballet and be a ballet dancer. It's it's like being a gymnast. You know, your your window of opportunity is is small um, um, to even have a career. You know, most most yeah. dancers are lucky to get into their late 30s and and dance that long. So you know, most ballet companies want you when you're 18, 17, 19 because they want to invest in a dancer and have them when they're at their physically you know, not necessarily prime, but when they can mold that dancer. And so I think that's one thing when you grow up in this profession and you, you're so focused, like I have a teenager now, he's 18, he's applying for college. Oh my God. Uh, I know. And he kind of thinks he knows what he wants to do, but he isn't hundred percent positive. And that's where it's like it. Now I've been faced with that reality of like, well, I always knew what I wanted to do. And there are millions and thousands, you know, thousands and millions of people out there that are in high school and really don't know what their passion is. And, you know, that's why I think it wasn't necessarily, it was, it was passion. And it was like, I want to do this more than anything. And that was what made the focus happen. You know, it was yeah. that drive to like, I really love this and I want to do it. So I'm all in. And that happened, that just happens because of the necessity of you want to get a job when you're 18, 19 years old. So amazing. The discipline that is in dance in general is inspiring, really. Um, I mean, I'm in the same boat as far as I always knew I wanted to do this in a certain aspect in entertainment. But I feel like dance is a whole different level because of, you know, like you were saying, how early you kind of have to go into it. Um, did your son express any interest in dancing? <laughs> For like a minute second. I mean, I think, you know, that kind of, I mean, his, he doesn't remember much. I mean, I think I retired, he was six at the time. 
and he came to like every performance, you know, that my husband could, he was old enough and could sit through, you know, he took him to, mm -hmm. he has really no, very little memory of it. I think his memory, and this is going to sound really awful, is of ballet took mom away. You mm. know what I mean? And I can remember, um, I remember we were doing a new production of Swan Lake and dropping him off at, at daycare. And my husband, you know, I mean, he was picked up at like two o'clock in the afternoon. He wasn't there all day um, because my husband had a very flexible schedule. And so, and that was really put him in daycare for preschool so that he could, mm -hmm. uh, you know, learn his ABCs a little early and things like that. And I remember him crying when I was leaving and he's like, mommy, I never see you. I never see you. And that oh. killed me, you know? And I remember the teacher saying, um, oh no, he, kids do this all the time with their parents. I said, no, I have a, I put in like sometimes like a 50, 60 hour week, you know? And so I think that was the beginning of the end for me of like, you know, I'm 37, 38 years old. I've done everything I want to do. I think what's more important, you know? And so um, that was kind of a, a pivot for me at that point. But uh, he had very little interest in ballet. Um, and I think I kind of didn't, I encouraged that not interest in ballet, <laughs> you know, cause he's tall, he's six one. I was like, wow. you're going to be this guy that drags, you know, that's going to be a partnering, a partnering kind of guy. And I don't know. I wanted him to do something else. I wanted him to find what his passion was. And I did ask him, you know, even after I retired, he was like seven or eight. I said, do you want to take ballet lessons? He's like, nah, not really. You know, he's into baseball and he was really then it got really into swimming. So yeah. it wasn't really anything um, that we really sat and really talked about. I was waiting for him to show the interest. And he never, never really did. You know, that's the exciting part. of I mean, one of the exciting things about having a kid is, um, you know, my son's only two. So I have this whole time ahead and, and your son, too. I mean, only being 18, there's so many things that can change of what are, what is going to interest them. Yeah. What is something that they're really going to get excited about and that I can nurture and um, and help them kind of like your parents did. I mean, that was a big, you know, a big yeah. thing. Um, in that article, uh, you had said that you wanted to dance in Giselle and um, La Silphide. Mm -hmm. And you did. Yeah. Yeah. How, how was that of feeling going from like being a young teenager and being like, these are roles that I want to accomplish among so many others. And then looking back and being like, check. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because you think you think I want to do these roles. And I was so thankful to do Sylphie and Giselle and so many roles that I actually thought I would never do, um, you know, because I was in a company that has has and, you know, had a very diverse repertoire. And so um, it afforded me a lot of opportunities. But what I found as I got older, yes, it's so wonderful to do these roles. And there's a lot of characters I really fell in love with um, that I enjoyed for certain reasons. But really so much of our time is in the studio and prepping for those performances that sometimes a favorite ballet for me wasn't a ballet I necessarily performed, but the experience was so fulfilling or so... I learned a lot or I really enjoyed the person that staged the ballet or, you know, there's so many things that go into the, like the baking of the cake mm -hmm. that like when it's done, it's like, no, the whole experience was actually what made the role so much more fun. You know, I have, there's ballets that I hated performing, but loved the experience or hated the experience and loved the performing. So, you know, I think as you got, you get older, you sort of figure out like, it's a journey. I know that's such a cliche, but it really is sort of the process is a big part of, it's not like you just go out and you perform the role and that's the end of it. You know, I think, um, and that role changes, you know, the Giselle I did at, you know, 25 is not the Giselle I did at 35. And that's what's so yeah. unique within performing and actors do this too, is that your ideas and who you are as a person changes as those ballets come around again. Oh yeah, yeah. So much more life experience and how you feel about those relationships within mm -hmm. the the storyline and the plot. Absolutely. Um, do you find that there's a particular um, genre within ballet that you like either working on or performing more, whether it be contemporary or classic? 
I mean, I love contemporary. I loved everything. I think for me, like classical ballet or story ballets, I preferred playing people. And, um, you know, those <laughs> ballets like, okay, Juliet, it's, it's a fictional story. But those, like someone like Juliet or someone like Madame Butterfly or oh, Tatiana yeah. in Eugene Onegin or, um, you know, those types of characters or, you know, Marie and Marie Antoinette, who was a real person. I mean, those kind of characters were real people or they were people that could have really existed. Those situations really exist. And I think those human characters really intrigued me and I loved playing them more than someone who's half bird, half a person, you know, <laughs> yeah. not that I, I didn't enjoy Cinderella or, or Sleeping Beauty, but there was something about the, um, yeah, human. Yeah, and the rawness of it that I that I think I enjoyed. I could relate to those characters a little bit more. And also, those those ballets tend to have a little less pantomime. They're a little less old fashioned. Mm -hmm. So there's something about the, the dynamic of the character that um, is a little harder to to get across because you're not relying on pantomime and things. And so I just kind of enjoyed those characters a lot more. And I mean, I love contemporary work. I did too because um, you know I was fortunate enough to be under Ben Stevenson, who was a choreographer and, and Stanton, who's a choreographer. And so I had so many roles created on me, contemporary and, you know, story ballets that, um, you know, people will say, what's your favorite role? It's like, I really, I don't have That's one. <laughs> I don't, you know, they were at different points in my life and I, they repeated many times, sometimes not a lot, but yeah, you know, I was just lucky. I was at the right place at the right time. Oh my gosh. I posted a photo on my Instagram account from winter from the four seasons. Oh yeah. Oh, I just cannot properly express the amount of love that I have for that ballet. I, I know. And we have it repeated. I'm hoping, you know, knock on wood, it comes around again soon because um, Stanton did such a wonderful job oh. with kind of not, literally but sort of showing the four stages of a woman's life yeah you when know? you walked out on stage and i'm everybody listening i have searched for a full video of this on youtube and i can't so i'm gonna have to go in the archives maybe when i get back and see just for my own satisfaction to see it because i remember it so vividly and in winter uh barbara um played the the woman who's lost her husband or her love and it's during that song and she's like marching out slowly and the snow is falling. And, and the so light. much snow. Yeah. No, it's and a great visual scene. Your heart too. is like broken watching yeah. it. And just, oh, yes. Stanton, if you're watching this, please, please. Can we bring it back? It's so <laughs> gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Um, now that you're in more of on the artistic side mm -hmm. of things, how is that experience for you? And are you kind of enjoying getting in there and creating things and molding people in a way that maybe you didn't when you were performing? I mean, I think it's, you, you know, you think being a dancer is really hard. I think being <laughs> on the artistic staff is the most, it's the hardest job and it's kind of in a way, a very thankless job. You don't get the applause of the audience. You're not the person, you know, on the marquee, you're sort of, you know, a worker bee in the background, really getting things done and getting things organized and getting things. Uh, I mean, you're basically, you know, a collective of the director trying to like get the focus and get everything the way they want it. Um, you know, I, it sounds corny, but a lot of them, it's like, I, I, not that I'm a parent to them or a mother to them, but I, I look at them and I think, oh, I made that dumb mistake. Oh yeah. You know, I got upset. Like you kind of, when you're on the other side of it, have a much clearer perspective of like, yeah, I kind of got upset and really got anxious about this or that or anything that they do. And I'm not there in, in some ways to, to be their therapist, but, um, <laughs> but I am there to say, listen, don't, don't, don't let that bother you. That's a waste of time. I know from experience and, and just guiding them and letting them see where they go with it. But I mean, it's a tremendous amount of work. It is a tremendous amount of work um, to learn a ballet, you know, off a videotape. You think, okay, I did this role in a ballet. When you have to learn all 60 of the roles, it's hours and hours and hours in front of a television, you know, in your front of your iPad, trying to learn and write things out. So 
and to stage it, you know, that's, it's a huge responsibility. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, it's nice as a dancer, you never felt like you never believed your improvement or necessarily took, you know, you always felt like you could do better and everyone should in a way feel that. But I think sometimes as a, as a staff, I should say sometimes as a staff member, when I sit out in the front, even if it's a minuscule improvement, I see it. And, um, I wish I slowed my brain down a little bit when I was dancing and, and listened to the staff a little bit more and realized that like, um, they weren't just BSing me. They were really telling me, no, that got better. That got better. You know? So I think it's just, you know, it's age. It's, it's, you know, when you're young, you just have a different perspective. And when you like Ben Stevens said once, because when you really, really figure it out, you can't do it anymore. And that's true. <laughs> you know, when you really go like, oh, I get it. You're like, and I can't do it anymore. I'm too old to do it anymore. Your body's you know? like, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're just gonna hang back and, and let them do it. I yeah. mean, the the work that goes into it, just seeing some of the pictures of your binders and stuff that you share oh. online. I'm like, oh, oh my god. You goodness. know, and some of these I you know, I brought home um because of, of stuff that might come up that I have to look at. And I really am like, I should develop an app or somehow that I can like photograph these, but yet still be able to, to, you know, correct them or change them when need be, because they're too heavy to carry around. They really are. Rolly cart. And then you have your French bulldog that wants to help you all the time. No, he's a sweetheart. You know, this poor (laughs) pandemic dog. I mean, now I'm, I've literally created a monster and he's super cute and super fun, high maintenance, like high energy needs a lot of play time. But, um, my kind of anxiety, thank God my husband has always worked from home and he'll be home when we go back to normal. Um, but he's certainly going to miss me, you know, but I, at the same time, I was so thankful to have him because, you know, I have an 18 year old son who's just like, you know, not (laughs) super focused on mom anymore. So he was a little something that I could play with and keep myself entertained. (laughs) So, and spoil, you know, Oh, things I have to look forward to. Cause right now, like Aiden still thinks I'm funny and um, adorable and wants to be near me. And so I'm like, Oh, that's going to always be like this. Hmm." No, no. You know, and Ethan's great. He's a great kid, but you know, he's finding himself and yeah, he's growing up. He's a teenager. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about being a mom in entertainment um, because it's a, an issue that comes up a lot, whether it's with dance or in Cirque, you know, the schedule itself is the opposite of the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And that, that fact in itself makes things difficult sometimes, yeah. especially when they start school. <clears throat> and in the ballet world, we were chatting a little bit before and that was not something that people did as often. You took time off mm-hmm. uh, when you had him and were you planning on coming back? You know, I wasn't. And it was just kind of, it happened in the transition between Ben and Stanton. And I kind of had decided, you know what, I kind of don't want to go through this upheaval and I don't really know that it was an upheaval, but I didn't want to go through a change. And I, you know, I had, accomplished much more and had done much more than I thought I was ever going to do. And so I was completely content with not coming back. And I had worked with Stanton twice before that, when he had done works with Houston ballet and, you know, he was bringing in a diverse rep. He was doing things, ballets that I was like, Oh wow, I'd kill to do that ballet or do more Killian or do more of this or do, you know, just, it, it, it became, it came very appealing to, to at least come back for a couple of years. And I was 31. So I still had a little bit of dancing left in me. So I, I kind of took, I took the, the, the leap of faith. Um, the nice thing for me was, you know, I'm married to what we all like to call in the business, a normal person, you know, someone that's not in the arts. And so um, <laughs> yeah, our I'm schedules, cool. our schedules worked out in a way that there was pretty much always one of us around. I mean, I did end up having a nanny for a while but there was always one of us around and it was just sort of the way we were able to work it out. But, you know, I feel like I was, I grew up with a generation of dancers like McCarver or Gelsey Kirkland and that sort of eighties group that not very many of them had children, 
you know, they didn't, I mean, McCarva had a child, but it was a little taboo to take, you know, time off to have, have a baby. And I sort of think my generation was really the generation that was like, no, no, I think it's, I can have a child and I can come back and be a ballet dancer. And that, you know, and Stanton was, is very pro, um, kids and wants his dancers to have, feel like they can take the time off to have children. And so, um, now, I mean, you see it in dance magazine, you see people take time off all the time to have children and go back to the profession. Um, I think there was sort of this misconception that if you had a child, you, you couldn't come back and be a ballet dancer. No, you know, you know, you need to stay home. And much like, you know, our, our, our moms were in the fifties, you know, which you couldn't have a profession and be a kid, but being in the theater, it is challenging. I mean, they're funky hours and long hours and six days a week if you're performing. Um, but then the trade-off is that, you know, Ethan was exposed to art and music and a really diverse group of people from like <laughs> all over the world. Um, he went on tour with us to Germany. You know, he's been to France. He's been, you know, so, you know, we went to Germany and he got to go to the embassy and meet, you know, I mean, like, so he had these like experiences that he would have never had had he not had a mom that was a ballet dancer so you know yeah you, you take the good and the bad with that you have a crazy schedule for a couple of years but you get exposed to such magical yeah magical yeah. things it's very true i mean you know the other thing i found was particularly with the the acrobats and stuff and the dancers you guys are in such great shape before you go out <laughs> that um coming back it, it was you know of course work but their their bodies seem to kind of have the muscle memory to be like yeah. oh yeah this is what this is what we're doing i'm supposed to have an eight pack yes 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 yeah you know yeah. and um when you came back to get back into dancing did you dance through pregnancy i mean it's a class and stuff but i had kind of sort of decided i wasn't gonna return to dancing so um mm you know, I wasn't crazy doing it every day. Um, but you know, once Ethan was born and I got the clear, I mean, you do what you know, you know, and, um, I had the opportunity to take free ballet classes. So if I want exercise, I go in and take free ballet. Class. Um, and I was teaching a lot till still also. So, you know, I still demonstrate. So there was a part of me that sort of left it, but didn't really leave it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think the first ballet I did back, Ethan was probably four or five months old, was Ghost Dances, actually. Oh, wow. Because I was back taking class at the company in, like, March with the idea that, you know, Stanton was taking over in September and I would be back in the company full full time. And I was just taking class with the company. And Ben was still director. And Christopher Bruce was in town. He was like, I thought you were – you stopped dancing. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to come back next season. And, um, uh, I'm just, you know, taking company class to get back in shape. And, you know, and he was like, do you want to do ghost dances? And I was like, well, yeah, I've done it before. Yeah. I, do you want me to do it? And he's like, I'd love for you to do it. So it was like, well, you have to ask Ben because technically I'm not employed at the moment. I'm just <laughs> taking class. And, um, yeah, Ben was like, yeah, if you want to use her, use her. So I kind of did ghost dances for a couple of weeks and, you know, performed it and then had a few more months of just taking class and then came back, came back um, uh, full time. But it was kind of weird to be off for a year, year and a half ish and um, get thrown into ghost dances, which is a contemporary <laughs> ballet, but really hard in itself. So it was kind of like, well, oh, here we go. Let's just go, you know, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was sore like that first week of getting back into the swing of that type of work was, uh, was painful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was yeah. painful. Yeah. Getting back up to uh, the level that you need to be, you're like, right. Okay. That's yeah. where I was. That bar was pretty high. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now outside of ballet, I understand that you um, are certified scuba diver. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me about this because I, did not know I was scared of deep, deep water with no bottom until I found myself in it uh, off of a reef. And I was like, Oh no, no, no. I don't know how I, I don't know how I feel about this. And so scuba diving is very mysterious and interesting to me. 
because that's what, exactly what you do. I mean, you go into water that it's just you in this vast openness. Yeah. Right. Which is super cool, but also kind of scary. Like, how did you get into this? Well, I mean, I grew up, my parents are Canadians. Okay. So wow. my mom is a Newfoundlander and my dad's from Nova Scotia. I spent all my summers there. Um, and, you know, we would drive up and you take, you know, we would visit family in Nova Scotia. Then you take the ferry, which is 12 hours, the ferry from Newfoundland, from sorry, from Nova Scotia to Newfoundland. And you're in water, you're by the Grand Banks. Now you're kind of far away from where the Titanic sunk, but you're in really deep, cold water. And in the summer, there's still icebergs in the, in and around Newfoundland. Wait, and the ferry ride is 12 hours? Yeah, the ferry ride is 12 hours to get across from Nova Scotia to Newfoundland. So, um, you know, I've always been around, and then, you know, I grew up in Florida. I've always been around the water. I've always mm. felt safe in the water. I, we always had a swimming pool. I never had this fear, anxiety about the water. And my husband and I, we weren't married at the time. We just did a resort course. We were in Cancun and we just did a re re resort course and I fell in love with it. And I was like, this in no way other than, you know, obviously getting the bends, um, you know, and not being careful about watching my meter and my oxygen intake. It's not skiing. It's not, I, it's really kind of hard to hurt yourself, Can't you know, um, doing this. Yeah. So it was something and being so close to living in Texas, being so close to Mexico. Um, it just seemed, we both fell in love with it and I got certified and, you know, at every time I had a break and, or in the summer we would go diving. And then actually we didn't die for a really long time when our son was little. And then when he was old enough, we got him certified. So, um, I mean, I love it. We, we just, cool. our last dive trip, which seems forever ago, which would have been a year, maybe a year and a half ago, we were in Belize. Then actually, um, we saw a, was it a bull shark? I can't remember what shark we saw, but, um, yeah, I mean, I love it. And now I kind of, and not that I'm riskier, I think I'm now I'm more like, okay, I've seen every, I've, you know, I've done Hawaii and, I've, you know, I dove a lot of places, the Caymans, I've done Belize, Bahamas. Now it's, now I want to see like large man, like I want to see a large whale or things like that. So that's kind of now on my bucket list is to see yeah. large mammals. And the thing with that type of diving, my understanding is you go much further away from the shore and you may go out on a dive and not see anything. So, you know, there's kind of a, 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 not a risk in that, but you could be doing two days of diving and not see one thing because you're out really in very deep water. Whereas, I mean, you know, I've done a 90, 100 foot dive, but it's, I, I don't feel like, I don't get any of the anxiety. Some people feel like, oh, you know, I, that makes me feel so claustrophobic. I, I'm very comfortable in the water. It doesn't, but I love it. You know, it's amazing. So there's it a peace when you're down there. Like, is it loud or is it quiet? No, I mean, you can hear yourself breathe. I think for me, it's, you feel so minute in the great world, yeah. you know? And I think, you know, something that there's things that, you know, are around us that we don't stop to really observe and even, you know, above water. Um, and it's down there. It's just it is, it's being light. It's like, you feel good because you're almost feel like you're a little bit weightless, you know, and, um, to see creatures in their, in their natural habitat. I don't know. I find it, I find it really soothing. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really fascinating. Maybe one day I'll be brave and I can do it. <laughs> Telling you, we went over the edge of that reef and I was like, Where's the floor? Where did it go? <laughs> I had that in Co Cozumel. My husband and I were doing the Great Wall. And I looked and he is like this little speck. And it's like, it's an abyss. It makes you think of that film, The Abyss, which oh, like, yeah. yeah. Everybody um, that saw that, it's like ingrained in your mind with the pink fluid, which is a real thing, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. That they ingest so they can breathe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you do feel like I am so small in the Great Vast world of things, you know, <laughs> um, but it, I don't know. I, I feel like I have a pretty, pretty good sense of direction. I mean, I'm not somebody to not pay attention. So yeah. I feel like, you know, if anything is going to happen, it's going to be somebody else, <laughs> not necessarily me being, being, um, stupid or not paying attention. 
<laughs> I love that. Is there any other kind of, now that, you know, you can be a little bit more risky, is there um, any other kind of uh, extreme sport? I mean, I love to ski. I'm a novice. I'm not a very good skier. Um, and I didn't ski the whole time I was dancing. I did in the beginning, you know, uh, when I was younger and then I, then I had a big foot surgery and I said, you know what, this is this, I need to be careful. And then I didn't ski. And it was the first thing I did when I retired that winter was like, let's go skiing. Cause my husband likes to ski and we just never went because there's a lot. You know, of I couldn't, can... I couldn't ski. So that was, that was a reason to, to do it. And you know what? I mean, now I haven't skied in about two years, but a part of me is going, I feel like I'm so out of shape that I think I would die if I went skiing now. Like my legs would just be so sore, but I did go back to it just because I could, you know, I didn't, yeah. if I broke my leg, that would suck, but I didn't have to worry about going back to work saying, oh, I kind of broke my leg skiing. You know, <laughs> I, didn't I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I see that you have a very cute shirt on with all of the Star Wars characters. Yes, yes. Uh, so we were chatting a little bit about, I loved the Ewoks growing up. They were my jam. Uh, in, is it The Last Jedi? Did yeah. the Ewoks show up? Yeah, so my brother's watching that and he's freaking out about the actual Star Wars characters. And I'm like, no, the little bears, Wicket. Like I had a piggy bank, a Wicket piggy bank. I was all about the Ewoks. Um, what was that like whenever you saw it? I was five when I saw Star Wars and I saw it at a drive-in, which, you know, don't exist anymore. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it really kind of, I mean, we had never seen anything like that. You know, I mean, I'm going to turn 50 this year. And so I'm of that generation that Star Wars made a huge impression on us. We'd never seen anything like it, the technology behind it. And, you know, yeah, they, there were three big films. They were quite a few years apart, but they really left an impression on that generation. And then mm -hmm. I think with, and I've always been like a comic nerd. I've always loved superheroes. There's always something about sci-fi and superheroes that I've always really, really loved. I love movies in general, especially. Yeah, but, um, <clears throat> so when the prequels came out, um, I think my can't remember when the first prequel came out, but my, I started introducing them to my son on DVD and he sort of just fell in love with it too. And so it was like passing the torch of the love of Star <laughs> yes. Wars over onto our, our, onto my son. And, um, you know, I, he was my only kid. And so we would sit on the floor and I bought him action figures and we would sit there and play when he was little and play Star Wars. And I don't know, there's something about the story when it had, you know, when Lucas made the film and where it happened and what an impression it made on that generation and how it opened the floodgates for so many other films after that yeah. to, you know, push the limits of what, uh, you know, whether it be small models or now with CGI and things like that. I mean, he really took film making to a different level. And, um, but I mean, I love, I watched the Mandalorian, you know, I have my opinion on the, the last three films that were made, but you know, at the same time, like I said, um, you know, it, in, it still yet introduced another whole generation to the love of star Wars. And, um, you know, I'm just a big nerd about it. I think they're great. <laughs> I mean, I think they're fun films and it's, it really comes down to the story of good versus evil. It's your classic Western or your classic, you know, good guy versus bad guy kind of, um, uh, storytelling, which everybody can relate to. Oh yeah. And the music, you know, you hear it and um, it's so epic, you know, John Williams and the score and everything you hear it, it's so recognizable. And then you do, there's like a sense of everybody can kind of tell you, Oh, I hadn't, I was sick when I was a kid and we stayed home all day and watched all of these movies and it made me feel better. And yeah. um, my brother had a star Wars bedroom. I have a twin brother and I had a strawberry shortcake room and he had, uh, Star Wars, but everything was Star Wars, like the yeah. toy box, everything. And so when I hear all of those songs and the movies, I didn't realize how much I watched it in the periphery until when they re-released it and there was all the CGI yeah. editions. And I was like, that 
that was not in there. Yeah. And he's like, how do you know? You never even watched it. And I was like, I absolutely was paying attention, especially if the Ewoks were involved. And just, you know, but the new ones are fine. Like, but nothing like the the originals. You well, know? I can remember my dad. My dad broke his foot, and he took me to a movie theater in Pompano Beach, Florida, that had like the balcony and the curtain that opened like wow. when the movie started. Yeah, it's just like it was this old timey theater. And I like he fell asleep. He's got his foot up on the back of the, and he's like asleep. And when Darth Vader says, "I'm your father," I was like, I mean, I was like, I remember that. Like it is so ingrained in my brain. And you think that is amazing that you know that's how much those films had an impact on me. That I can remember my dad sleeping through it, not understanding what's going on, and me being like, "What." Like, oh, my God, you know, blown away by it. And you think back then, none of us had Internet and the ability mm -hmm. to get, you know, I mean, it's just it's just so different. I mean, yeah, I kind of miss that. I miss not knowing what was going to happen, you know. And the shared experience, which it yeah. kind of correlates to live theater in a sense that before we all watched the same movies. So I'm 10 years younger than you. So growing up, I kind of grew up with analog and digital at some point when I was like 16, but we all watch the same movies, watch the same television shows, what we all know about the same commercials on TV. Mm -hmm. um, so there's the shared experience, right? That is what makes it kind of nostalgic, I think. Yeah. Um, and I feel like theater, like me trying desperately to find that scene <laughs> from the four seasons, it only exists in my memory. Yeah. And I have that shared experience from a different point of view with the audience or the people that were backstage as well that now we can't have because yeah. everything is, I can rewind it, watch it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Down, which oh, everything being shut down, you know, I, it will be back mm -hmm. because it has to be. Yeah. Because I think all of us have discovered that we need that live um, spark of magic, you know, yeah the curtains open, the scrim comes down, the music. It's, yeah. It's I mean, and that's, what's so interesting. And there's nothing like seeing, like you said, the collective experience of seeing something that, and that's the beauty to me of live theater. I mean, right now, you know, the dancers in our company at Houston Valley, they're film dancers for a year. They're doing, yeah. and there's some really great things about filming you can get it right because you can take take after take after take you know there's so many great things about film and things you can't do in live theater because mm -hmm. it, it's live theater but there's something about every show yes you try and recreate the same show every time but it isn't and it is that one moment in time that you've shared with two thousand other people sitting around you that no amount of TV or anything can, can replace, no. you know? And I think that's what people, whether it's seeing ballet or whether it's seeing Cirque or whether it's seeing, you know, opera or going to the symphony or, or seeing a play or a Broadway show, whatever it is, it's us all sitting together and having and making memories and sharing an experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hope that people, I think that the backstage experience you were talking about, I think that's wonderful because so many people don't understand, like you were saying, what goes into it. And there is the magic of what's on stage and all of the beautiful lights and everything, but there is something so wonderful and sacred and special about being in the wings and having that light bounce off like if you ever like look around backstage and watch people watching the show mm -hmm. and they have that light that just like bounces off of their face and then it's black behind them and there's all these things happening. There's so such a, a magic about that, that I love obviously. <laughs> well, and I think that's what's so unfortunate about like not having Nutcracker for like basically in America, no one had Nutcracker this year. And, you know, in our new production, Stanton's production, there's so many kids backstage. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm grandmother or a couple shows, yeah, you know, in the run. And I sit backstage during the snow scene um, and the battle scene just to watch it so I can watch it as a staff member. And sometimes I'll look at the monitor just to make sure everybody's in line or if I have any notes. 
But when you kind of really remove yourself and you look at these little kids that are just like wide eyed and, and just mesmerized at not just, um, you know, the technical aspects of what's going on backstage, but like watching a principal do sugar or watching mm -hmm. this dancer do this. And it's, it's really, it's so impressionable. I mean, they really will remember that experience for the rest of their lives. And for them to not have that for me is just, it's devastating, you know, because it's also part of Christmas, you know, it's like going to the yeah. theater and I'm the first one that will complain and hate Nutcracker for, you know, the 30 some odd years I've had to, you know, spend 40 shows a month, 40 shows in a month staring at it or being in it, um, that there is, you know, it's an experience for a young group of dancers. And for many people, it's their first time ever seeing a ballet. You know, I'll, I'll share a really oh, yeah. funny story. I did, I don't even remember, you know, Sean Kelly, who was a former principal, who's now in, in the, uh, was, uh, done a lot of Broadway musicals and stuff like that. We, um, remember we were doing Sugar Plum one year together. This was years ago. And our company, our company manager came up to us and said, listen, there's a couple here tonight um, and he's going to propose to his wife after the show. So he's going to bring her backstage. Can you guys stay and like do a photo op and she's going to sit on the throne and it's like, you guys are going to take pictures and he's going to come around with the ring and propose oh. to her. So I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, okay. You know, so we stay after the show and they set up, you know, the throne and he's chatting and he's like, Oh, you know, by the way, we went on our first date to the Nutcracker. And so it was like, that really struck me as like, it's a moment. Yeah. It's a moment. And you know, he turned, you know, we took pictures and we chatted together and I said, Oh, would you like to sit on stage? She goes, Oh, can I sit? Sure. And we, you know, kneel next to her and take photos and he comes around and it was weird. Cause it was like, Oh my God, this is a totally intimate moment that I don't even know these people, <laughs> but like the ballet that was, you know, it did something that was their first date and now they're getting married. And, and we were a part of that. And it, it, it was just, I don't know, it was, that stuck with me for a long time. You know, it still does to this day that, you know, memories are created at shows and family events and traditions happen at different types of shows. And, um, you know, those are important, you know. Can we also talk about the bar that was set with that being the first date for him? <laughs> I feel like dating has kind of gone downhill from there. We oh, wow. He should, um, he should help some people. That's amazing. I know. It's like, or we should say like, Hey, you know what? You want to, you want to propose to your wife at the ballet? It's an extra hundred dollars <laughs> to come backstage and propose, you know, or like, uh, yeah. yeah. Great date night, great date night or great proposal night or great Valentine's, you know, gift uh, or something oh like that. God. I'm a hopeless romantic. I love that story. No, it was really, it was really oh. cute. And she like cried. It was really sweet. I mean, it was, it was really sweet. And I was like, he's a keeper. Yeah. Yeah. He's a keeper. Yeah. Absolutely. Are do you, are you a hopeless romantic or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, I am in a way. Yes. I think, you know, when you, you grow up in theater, you know, and you play those characters. Yeah, you are, you know, I mean, I think there's reality too, but I think there's a part of me. That's why I love film and I love all types of theater and, and TV shows and stuff is to sort of get lost in that storytelling, you know? Oh, I know. Um, I'm attracted to, I was very sad that I was not here for Anya again because that poem by Pushkin is unbelievable. Um, if people will take time to sit down and read it. Uh, and then they did a film version with Ray Fiennes that every single frame looks like a painting. Um, mm -hmm. And it's so tragic. And I really, really like <laughs> tragic unrequited love um, type stories. That particular one was so upsetting though to me. And I wanted to see it. I was, uh, I think in Vegas at the time and I couldn't get back uh, to see it. Um, but I still thank God for social media I was friends with um, quite a few of you uh, from the ballet. So I could kind of follow the pictures yeah. and stuff. Um, do you find that you as, 
Barbara and as a performer are more attracted to the darker kind of love stories like that? Or do you like more the light and airy rom oh, I think, Well, I think that the darker ones, because life is not always a storybook ending, you know? And I think, um, not that I identify with dark characters or things like that, but like either. life is that it's like ups and downs and sideways and all over the place. And, and people are complicated and, you know, there isn't a fairy godmother to go boop and like make everything great again, you know, and I think they're complex characters. And I think that's why they're, they're interesting to portray, you know, that they have lots of different levels and lots of different shade where not that Aurora doesn't, but it's a fairy tale. It's different. Yeah, it's different. And so um, I think that's why those characters are fun to play. And I, and I think audience members enjoy them because everybody is flawed in some way, shape or form. And you can identify those flaws, you know, and um, no, the, I mean, yeah, the, they're more interesting to play. I think they're more interesting to watch. Um, maybe not everyone would agree with me, but um, yeah, I do. What are you looking forward? I, I was thinking about this sentence, like what do you look forward to? And literally now I feel like, cause we're all in, a stationary position in life at the moment? Like, what are you literally looking forward to? Like looking ahead at this year in hope or what's kind of on your radar as you're excited about coming up in life? I would be excited to just like go have dinner and go see a movie. <laughs> that sounds so like, well, eh. you know, I mean, I think some form of normal day-to-day -day activity would is something that, you know, I look forward to, I mean, on the short end, um, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing where my son gets into college and seeing how that's all going to unfold in the next couple of months. But, um, yeah. you know, ultimately just to sort of, I think just to be able to like, look at my husband and say, you know what, let's go eat dinner. Let's go and not have to be like, Oh, should we do takeout? Like we haven't even, I think we've eaten outside once at a restaurant. Like I'm not super comfortable with it. So it'd be nice just to go, where do we want to go? And just go. I mean, right. you know, that, those, I think I look forward to that day happening, you know, and I actually would look forward. I haven't seen my folks in a year and a half. Um, and I would like to be able to get on, feel safe enough to get on an airplane and do that. You know, right. those are the two things, but um, I'm very happy to travel just a few States over, let alone go back to Europe or anywhere else. But um, yeah, I, I would, I look forward to just, even if we, got back to like 50% of where we were at. I think that's something to look forward to. And I, I hope it's going to be close to that maybe by the fall, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm optimistic. Maybe I'm being pessimistic. I'm not really sure. Cause I think we're navigating really uncharted waters and especially just as human beings in our daily life. But I think the arts organizations have really like been thrown for a loop here. I think we're the last industry to go back. I really believe that. Yeah, I think that that's true just by the nature of it. I yeah. mean, and I was talking to someone the other day and I said, you know, even if we figure out the audience scenario, right, it's the backstage scenario and the, the onstage scenario. That is where the issue is because you don't see all of these people, but it takes a whole entire village to make this stuff come to life. And they're not six feet apart, you know? No, I mean, that was, that was like, um, you know, I was on a Zoom call. And they're like, well, you know, the audience could get tested and we could have 60% capacity. And you're like, but you understand that there are, you know, 80 people in the orchestra pit. There are, say, 60, like Nutcracker, 60 dancers in the company. Most everybody's on in some capacity. Um, you've got that many academy kids in roles in the ballet. You've got crew. You've got lighting. I mean, there's wardrobe, makeup, wigs. I mean... There's probably as maybe not 2000 backstage, but you've got a huge amount of people that are, have to be in very close proximity of each other. It's just, it's not possible, you know, right. right now, it's just not possible. And it's different if you're just the symphony and you wear your tuxedo and you put it on at home and you come in and you can be distance. There's not, they're not moving sets and, you know, it's just, it's a different ball game. It's a different ball game. And, um, Right. Like we're you know. touching your sweat, like yeah. literally. <laughs> well, and you think a lot of costumes can't be laundered. They're no. sprayed down and they're hung out to dry. 
but they're most costumes. That's why we wear certain undergarments that can be washed under those um, can't be washed. They're sprayed down with vodka or, you know, a solution and dried. And so there's, there's so many things that go into it. And, um, you know, and the off tick of that is, you know, if you go downtown Houston, because the alley and the opera and the ballet and, you know, tuts and nobody's working, all these restaurants are shuttering. And, you know, and that's kind of, you know, everybody touches everybody in some way, shape or form, you know. You know, hopefully we can get through this and get back to, like you said, at least 50% normalcy by the fall would be absolutely amazing. I would. Yeah. I mean, I would love to teach a ballet class, not in a mask and not having to keep them in a square, like an eight by foot, eight foot square, you know, that would be amazing. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And I think, you know, I said this to, I said this to my son and I said it to some of the younger dancers in the company. I said, this will define you, you know, this will define your generation. So I think really value and take stock in what you had and what you, how you learn from this experience, you know, and you move forward from here. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, are there any mottos that you find that you live by on the daily or throughout your career that is like a reoccurring thing oh, you say to yourself? I don't know. God, there's, there's, there's probably some things I can't say on a, on a live <laughs> web feed. Um, <laughs> No, I think, um, you know, I, I mean, I, my dad said this to me, um, you only get some, you only get out of something what you put in it. That was something that really stuck with me, you know, regardless of the outcome. And I've said this to people, if you wholeheartedly have given a hundred percent, you can go home that night and say, I did my best. Maybe your best wasn't perfect or your best wasn't whatever you think it is or someone else thinks it is. But I did, that was something that always stuck with me. You know, you only get out of something what you put into it. So, yeah. yeah. It's an absolute. Absolutely. Um, I want to thank you for for agreeing to do this. Like I said. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> no, we were supposed to do it earlier on. And, and ironically, you know, Normally I know my, like I said, like we talked at the beginning of this, I know my schedule. I know everything that's happening and COVID's just made it like, it's like, I love the word they say it's fluid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, we had to like postpone because it's like, uh Oh, I actually have to teach that morning because you know, things, people were out with other things. And so I just happened to be the person that had to cover for that. So yeah. it's, it's going with the flow. Maybe that's what the motto should be going with the flow and it's fluid. <laughs> this year is all about, I mean, I thought I was adaptable before. I really was not. I, <laughs> that is what I learned is this year is definitely about being flexible and not getting too worked up about things. Yep. It's just, okay, that's fine. And that was absolutely fine. I'm just so thankful that you said yes, because like I said, I'm such an admirer of your dancing oh, thanks. and being so sweet and kind and welcoming when I came back and, no, I was so excited. I was like, oh. like, <laughs> you know, I mean, what's so unique about the, not ballet, arts in general. I mean, when I talk to people that went to college, just I didn't go to college. They always talk about being in their sorority or the fraternity. And I feel like when you're in the performing arts, especially live theater, and you're around it's the same group of people for maybe quite a few years, you create these like sororities and fraternities. And it's, it is like being in college all the way through your thirties. Like it's like you have all these wonderful shared experiences and you're so intimate with people. And I think that's, that's the thing I miss about being a dancer is that camaraderie and that, that feeling of like unity, you know? Yeah. I mean, these are people you spend more time with than your actual family. Usually. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. That's why when people are in jobs that they hate, I'm like, this is a lot of time that you spend in this job. Maybe we should rethink some things. Like we were fortunate enough to be able to do that. I think yeah. to do what we loved and love still, yeah. we're still working. So it's great, you know, <laughs> but I look forward to seeing um, what's coming up this spring and hopefully being back there with you guys and gals and yeah. 
thank you for everything that you do. And well, thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, awesome. are you getting any snow in your area? Nope, just a lot of rain and cold, cold, coldness yeah. today. Um, I was hoping we might get a little flurry, but I think we're too close to town. I mean, I'm in town, so you know, yeah. um, but I people are posting up in you know Brenham and stuff like that, they're getting a little snow. Crazy, yeah. I wish. Crazy. Nope, just wet here, which is fine. Like, I'll take the cold any day. I love it. Um, the wet, not so much, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, well, Happy New Year, Barbara. And Happy New Year, you. Thank you so much. And everybody, if you want to check out um, more of Barbara Bear's work, you can check it out on um, HoustonBallet.org, uh, right? Mm -hmm. And... Um, also, she has Instagram, and then you can follow here on Behind the Biz. And Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Stay safe. <laughs> yeah, stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on Behind the Biz, Conversations with Artists and Entertainment. You can also check out this episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. See you next time. <laughs>